Welcome everybody to this week's Science Metaverse podcast. I'm your host, Keita Funakawa. And I'm your host, Stephen Klosky. Cool. Uh, it's good to be back in Nanom after some technical difficulties we had with version 1.24. But uh, we have an early access version to a patch that hopefully fixes the issues now. So good to see your avatar again, Steve. Yeah, good seeing your avatar too, Keita. It's nice to be uh, back in the, the Metaverse. Actually, your avatar is just on my couch. But, um, you know. It feels better this way than 2D. Definitely. <clears throat> um, so, uh, actually, we didn't find any many too many uh, science stories this week, but uh, or science metaverse related science uh, stories. But uh, you know, uh, we figured because we've been kind of light on the crypto side of things, um, that we have some uh, crypto news that we'll go over. Um, first thing uh, is the um, RIP to local bitcoins. Local bitcoins closes down their peer-to-peer crypto service um you know local bitcoins in the early days was uh, one of the the major ways that you could actually buy bitcoin um even before the coinbase days and uh so it's a definitely a huge end to an era um i'm assuming that it was a combination of regulatory compliance as well as demand uh that led them to ultimately shut down um but uh yeah it's it's definitely uh, an end of an era yeah, I mean, it's uh, a good onboarding for people that are just trying to get into crypto, you know, somebody local to just kind of meet up with and, um, you know, exchange fee off of crypto. But I get that it, it would be a temporary thing in the crypto world in, in terms of, you know, having a centralized application, um, but then obviously having a decentralized group of users. Um, but hey, yeah, it, it worked in the past and I think was great for a lot of people that onboarded themselves with crypto through local Bitcoins. But, um, I guess it's time has to end. Yep. yep. Uh, I actually have a friend who has a story about using local Bitcoin in Amsterdam as a way to actually get them extra cash back in the day. Um, and so, um, and I've actually used local Bitcoins myself. I just remember that being an option uh, all the time. Have you used local Bitcoins before? Yeah, I've used it in quite a while, but um, yeah, yeah, you can make uh, some nice arbitrage uh on the crypto prices or at least you used to be able to back in the day on you know 10 over market or whatever so you know you could just make an easy percent profit on uh on selling you know bitcoins locally but, yeah um, like an yeah, easy arbitrage know. opportunity exactly you know if people want to pay extra premium you know for you to meet up them and you know, pay 10 15 percent over market uh, versus them um, having to wait several days setting up all their information, you know, going through a regular country, um, you know, type of change, you know, that price of Bitcoin could theoretically be going up, you know, 50% over the time period. Yeah, you never know because it's such a volatile asset, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, the other crypto story that uh, I had today was interesting because, uh, you know, we've we talked to them before about potentially setting up um, Nanum with. Silvergate, but uh, it is. I thought it was fascinating to see that the crypto bank Silvergate ranks as the second most shorted stock on Wall Street, uh, which is actually pretty crazy to see that um, Silvergate Bank is actually shorted that much. Um, but uh, I think it kind of makes sense given uh, I believe they were fairly involved uh, and exposed potentially even to FTX. Um, and so from you know just from kind of a uh, exposure perspective um i think it makes sense uh that um you know it is <laughs> uh it is a shorted 
talk. Um, and you know, also from like a macro standpoint, uh, this is kind of the establishment, uh, Wall Street you know, betting against crypto as well, right? So that also is a kind of an interesting take there. But uh, Steve, what'd you think of uh, this news with Silvergate? Yeah, man, uh, I, don't, I don't really know how exactly they're doing, but this article's not making it sound like their cash positions that strong. Um, you know, $1 billion net loss um, announced on January 17th. Um, we have, you know, $3.6 billion borrowed from U.S. federal home loans bank system to mitigate the effects of a surge in withdrawals following the collapse of crypto and FTX in November. So, yeah, man, they must be hurting. FTX uh, really is taking down a lot of other players in the industry and it's it's kind of sad but also hey you know not your keys not your coins don't keep coins on an exchange or you know bad things happen like mount gox or ftx yep yep um and the, the last story that i had here was uh meta's um uh version uh 50 version 50 is reportedly uh having um direct finger and hand tracking interaction with their menu. Um, uh, if you haven't seen the diff yet, definitely check it out. It's really cool. Instead of actually, you know, uh, using hand tracking to click uh, with your thumb and your index finger, you can actually reach out and directly interact with the keyboard or the, the uh, any of the menus. Uh, I've been looking forward for this for so long. I always thought it was ridiculous that you couldn't actually directly click on the, uh, the, the keyboard um, uh, with your, with your index finger. And now you can. So, um, really been looking forward to this. I think this has a huge amount of potential. Now you can, in theory, you could put, you know, um, uh, like OS level widgets onto different surfaces, whether that be your table or the wall and things like that. So I've uh, been waiting for, for this for a real long time and now it's finally here. Um, so yeah, Steve, any, any kind of uh, thoughts on this? Um, you know, they could just kind of tap, tap, tap uh, the different UIs now and um, you know, pointing and clicking. Uh, I think that you know this is uh, in line with like you know hand tracking based user experiences. Although you know when you combine eye tracking with hand gesture, I'm not sure if the tap is going to be what you know we end up keeping forever. Um, but I think it's a cool option. Definitely makes um you know VR mixed reality uh, feel just more tactile um, when you get the sensation of you know tapping an icon and, and seeing it react to it. Um, so yeah, you know, really cool update. Yeah. Do you think that, um, you know, one of the reasons why I know that initially the, a lot of the hand tracking stuff involved the index finger and thumb, uh, was that sensation of haptic feedback. And then of course, you know, midair UI that you, you have zero kind of tactile feedback on is kind of new. Like, what, what do you think about that? Do you think it's going to be, you know, something that we get used to? I mean, people thought back in the day with iPhones that, uh, you know, only using your thumbs to type on a touchscreen with no tactile you know, what was it? Keys was actually a big thing. So, I mean, based on that, I'm somewhat bullish on this, but how do you feel? Yeah, I, I mean, you have visual feedback, um, which is a pretty good start. Um, you know, obviously, like sound feedback, visual and sound, like could actually do a lot in terms of stimulating you to feel like you've interacted with it, which, you know, you actually have. You just haven't physically um, gotten a sensation. But um, yeah, maybe there's going to be better wearable, like the little, you know, finger gloves that, and giving you better sensation as you're interacting with things. Um, but yeah, for now, I, I think just the, um, yeah, the visual update um, and maybe some sound update um, actually goes a pretty long way. So those are the three super quick story we had um, for this week. Um, 
So a very short episode, uh, you know, not to go off on too off tangent, but see if we, we haven't even talked about unidentified flying objects. Uh, what is your take on what, I mean, you know, thanks for joining us. You could, you know, totally that that's it for this week, but I just figured we'd, we'd talk about this, this, uh, pretty unusual sequence of events that's happening. That's happened in the last four, uh, sorry, uh, about a week or so. So to just recap, right. About a week ago, there was a balloon that got shot down, um, that went across the U S that was confirmed to be a Chinese spy balloon as what they're calling it. Um, but these days are not these days in the past, I believe three days in a row, there's been, you know, every day there's been a, uh, unidentified object. They don't, they're not calling it a balloon. One, one was a, you know, car sized object. The, I believe the late, latest one that got shot down, by the Great Lakes was a octagonal shape. Um, just so much stuff. Uh, very unknown. Obviously, it could you know could be a different government entity owned thing. It could be civilian. It could be. I guess there's a non-zero chance it could be extraterrestrial. Though there's reports saying that it's totally not extraterrestrial. But I don't know. I don't know what's going on. See what, what's your what's your science metaverse take on unidentified flying objects? You think it's aliens? So, I. I- I do not. I do not think it's. Aliens. You don't think it's aliens. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, I don't know. This is kind of weird. Like, I, I don't think that um, you know, they should be fucking balloons over. Like, obviously, they kind of waited for it to cross over the U.S. before shooting it down. But um, I don't. Know, these things can be dangerous. Like, I don't really think it's great to be, uh, you know, having other humans collect information about potential, you know, vulnerable, uh, you know, military sites or you know, whatever the the sort of narrative. Is there, um, but then they, yeah, there's probably a lot of uh, different aircraft that a lot of countries are working on. So you know the UFO term gets thrown around to describe, I, I think, like prototype aircraft. Uh, all the time, I I don't actually think it's uh, aliens. So that's my take. So um, you know, what's the? Do you think the probability of war of war three has gone in the past week or? Stay the same. Is this a nothing burger? Uh, I mean, like, yeah. You know, what is the point? Like, what, what, what are, what is going to come to this? Right? Like, I don't think that there's actually going to be some sort of uh, an invasion with, you know, these things. I guess it already has kind of begun in terms of surveillance invasion. I don't think that's going away. I think the surveillance information, um, you know, type of warfare going on between, you know, authoritarian regimes and and Western regimes is um gonna keep happening you know, I, I i don't see a stop to that um yeah in terms of ukraine conflict obviously you know that's a situation in the world and yeah i would hope that there's not more situations like that that end up you know gripping the economy of the aggressor and sending you know millions zillions of people into poverty um you know that's terrible but then also you know of course the you know, really terrible effects of all the human loss happening on both sides from the defenders and the aggressors. So I, I don't think there's anything good to come out of it and countries just chill out and not try to play, uh, you know, by invading airspaces and things like that. So it's uh, not, not a cool move from other members <laughs> in the world. Definitely. Well, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I just figured I'd, we'd, I'd bring it up because of this this is an unprecedented phenomenon to say the least uh of this past week but anyways that's it for this week folks thanks for joining us and we'll see you in next week's episode cool.
then, everyone, and we'll see you in the Science Metaverse.